Uh, I want to read our scripture to you. It's from Luke as we continue our journey in the first chapter, beginning with verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. So this is Elizabeth talking to Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we've already seen uh, in the stories we've looked at in Luke chapter one, what I would call the blessing of receiving a promise from God. So there's a blessing, there's goodness that comes in receiving a promise from God. That's what happened uh, with Zechariah and Elizabeth in the first story we looked at. An old man and an old lady. Those are the words of the scripture, not mine. Advanced in years. And they received a promise that they, even though they should be unable to have a child, were going to have a child. They received the promise. We looked at it last week when Mary heard from Gabriel who said, you, this uh, unmarried uh, teenage girl, you're going to be the one who's going to be with child. And he is going to be the son of the most high. And he's going to sit on the throne of David. They received the promise. So there's a blessing in receiving the promise, right? Then there's this other thing that happens sometimes. And it's called the blessing of seeing the promise come to life. The fulfillment of the promise. If you hang with us for three weeks, we are going to fill this place with worship. Because we're going to read the story of Jesus coming into the world. That is the fulfillment of the promise that Mary received over here. We're going to be all the way over here and we're going to be seeing it happen. So there's a blessing in that. Obviously, when you get to see what God said God was going to do and it's right there in front of you, that's here. And then there's all this stuff that's here to here, right? There's the stuff that's between getting the promise of it and seeing it happen. There is this in between. And today I want to talk to you about something that I think is more important for us just living this life than understanding this or this. And it's what we're going to call the blessing of holding on. The blessing of just hanging in there. The blessing of believing something that God said was going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. This time in between these two invisible markers that I've made is called the meantime. Have you ever heard of that? The meantime? Have you ever said like, in the meantime? Well, The meantime is simply the time before the thing that you're hoping is going to happen happens. And I have learned in my advanced age, 43 going on 44, that the meantime is most of the time. From this place to this place is where we usually hang out. And that means we need to really understand the the blessing of just holding on. Elizabeth said to Mary, she said, blessed are you because you have believed that what God said is going to be fulfilled in your life. Not that she's already seen it fully fulfilled, but that she's holding on. And my guess is some of you today are in that place of just holding on. 
And it's really easy, I've learned, to just receive the promise. And we do that here all the time. We hear all these promises. You come here week after week, receive the promise, hear good news, receive the promise. We can take and take and take. What's harder to do is to hold on. It reminds me of uh, when Jerry Seinfeld went to the rental car counter and he had made a reservation for his car. But when he got there, they no longer had a car for him, but he'd made a reservation. And the lady said, I know you made a reservation. She said, I understand what that is. He said, I don't think you understand what that is. He said, what you've done is you've taken the reservation. And he said, it's really easy to take reservations. You can take and take and take and take. He said, what's hard is to hold the reservation. And he said, the holding is the most important. I'm 43, okay? I've watched Seinfeld a lot. And what I think sometimes it is for us is like, we hear the promises. Man, that sounds so good. That sounds good for Elizabeth. That sounds good for Zachariah. That sounds good for Mary. That may even sound good for me. But what's really hard is when you step into life, into the meantime, which is where we mostly live, and you actually have to hold on, it's harder to believe. It's harder to believe when, you know, we come and, you know, we light these candles week after week, you know, and it's like, we do this every year. We go back to Kirkland's, we get brand new candles and we set them out. We're lighting the candles. Jesus is coming and we're waiting. It's hard. It's hard to wait for this big moment. So what is God saying to us? What is God offering us in this space that most of us are living in? Elizabeth and Mary is this amazing story in the middle of these great stories of Gabriel showing up to people and a baby showing up in a manger. What is happening in between that? Two women have carried a promise and come together. It's really cool. Mary and Elizabeth are literally holding a living, moving promise from God inside of them. But hardly anybody else knows that an angel showed up to them. They're living in this in-between time before the promise is fulfilled. And so they do something that's very, very, very important. It's the whole lesson today. They decide to take their promise, to take their burden, and come together. They decide to meet, to not just carry it on their own. And the blessing of holding on is exponentially pushed out when you bring your promises together with someone else. So Mary travels from Nazareth, where she lives, down to where her older cousin Elizabeth is. Mary, who is pregnant with a child, and she shouldn't be. And Elizabeth, who's pregnant with a child, and she shouldn't be. They have the same thing going on, and they come together. So I've got a different map for you today. I wanted you to see exactly where Elizabeth and Zachariah lived, which is all the way down in this little community called Ain Karim. It's actually today a suburb of Jerusalem. Jerusalem has grown out and covered over it. In those days, it would have been sort of like a place a few miles outside of town that you would have traveled to and gone up into a hill country. And Mary went, maybe not on that exact path, but down from Nazareth to Ain Karim, 100 miles or so, that this pregnant teenager traveled, presumably alone. She may have been with a caravan and covered 15 to 20 miles a day, but it would have taken her four, five, six days pregnant to come all the way to where Elizabeth lives in Ain Karim. Ain Karim is still there today, a suburb of Jerusalem, and it's still a very small community. Maybe 1,700 to 2,000 people live there today. And it has a long history, like most, much of Israel and much of what you've been hearing about. Ain Karim, obviously, in this time was a Jewish settlement, a Jewish village. But you Years later, it was taken over by a Palestinian people and ruled over. Ain Karim was a, the homes that are there today, the buildings there today were built by Palestinians who in 1948, in a different war, were pushed out. There were missiles shot in Ain Karim. There were hostages held in Ain Karim. There were people hiding out and then people pushed out of their homes. And now the Jewish people live there again. 
a town of about 2,000 people with these ancient buildings. And about 3 million people will travel to that little village. I've been there to Ain Karim every year. Do you know why 3 million people will go to that place every year? Because it's where Mary visited Elizabeth. And you can still walk up the hill to where they lived and walk into this place and ponder on what it must have been like for Mary and Elizabeth in the middle of their journey, in the middle of the meantime, to come and visit with each other. And it says, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of her cousin Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. All Mary did was walk in. Zachariah opens the door. All she did was walk in and say, Elizabeth, I'm here. And when she says, I'm here, she didn't say, here's what's going on with me. Here's what I've been going through. Here's what happened with Gabriel. She just walks in and says, Elizabeth, it's Mary. Or she walks in and says, Elizabeth, and she recognizes her voice. And when that happened, the baby in her womb jumped. <laughs> and Elizabeth, uh, in that moment, was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It was an outpouring of God's Spirit just in Mary greeting her cousin. And she exclaimed with a loud cry. This is what she said. She said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. A beautiful saying, but it was actually a very common saying, what they call a Hebrewism. It was something that women would have said to any other woman who was pregnant of, of the same faith of them. They, they would have said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So Elizabeth was not calling out a miracle in that moment. She was just greeting her cousin. But the next part is where it gets really interesting and really supernatural. And she says, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's speaking to her teenage third cousin. And she has just called her the mother of her Lord. She says, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears. She's cluing us in that everything she's saying has come from a spiritual perspective. When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, my baby leaped for joy. And so she says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She is not saying blessed are you because you received that promise. And she's certainly not saying blessed are you because we are now seeing the promise in, in our midst. She's saying blessed are you because you believed that what God said would happen is going to be fulfilled. Mary and Elizabeth are showing us the blessing that happens in the meantime, which is so important for us because most of the time is the meantime for us. Most of the time we're holding on. Most of the time we're hanging in there, right? Most of the time we're hoping that we're gonna get well or hoping that our child is going to make it or hoping that the, the, the money is gonna come through, right? Most of the time is in this moment and that's why I think Luke, who's this very careful writer, says, you know what? Before I get to what all the guys are talking about, the angels and the wise men and the manger and the inn and all that. He says, I think that I'm going to include just about four or five lines on that one time when Mary went down to Elizabeth's house. What happened in that moment was we were able to see what can happen, the true power of what can happen when we believe when we're just holding on. And uh, what I think, I actually wrote this down because I, uh, I didn't want to forget it. What happens when you wait for the promise is the promise. And that's what I wanna share with you today. That actually what's happening in this moment, you think it's all about getting here, but what is happening right now is actually the full fulfillment of the promise of God. I hope to prove that to you, okay? I hope to prove that to you. 
So another way that Elizabeth said this, this is another version of the Bible. It says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So what we're being invited to do is simply to believe that what God says here is going to happen here, even though we're right here. And the way that happens um, is, is a few things. I have three points, all right? Are you impressed? Three points, that's all. I, when I'm hearing someone talk, I'm like, I want to know that there's an end. So this is like a way that you can see it coming, okay? So number one is this, the burdens are carried together. The burdens are carried together. The, the things that we are given, the things that, here's what you need to hear today. If you're carrying something alone, that's not the way it's supposed to go. If you got something that you're just hanging on to, but it's just you and you're barely making it and, that, and, and you feel like I'm alone in this, I wanna open up a door to you to be able to see how you can do that with others. In the early church, they talked about it like this. In Galatians, it says, bear or carry one another's burdens. How do burdens work? We carry them together. We carry them together. I just saw a group of ladies who I know have known each other for years and years and years and years and years and years. And one of them lost their father this week. And I saw them. Just out of the corner of my eye, hugging each other, embracing each other, looking each other in the eye, because they've got a lot of practice in carrying one another's burdens. Now, we've been talking about promises so far this morning. Why did I switch to burdens? I'll tell you why. With God, sometimes it is difficult to distinguish between promises and burdens. Amen? Okay, I'll prove it to you, all right? Some of the things that are most sacred to us, sensitive to us, that God has given us can also feel like a weight. And so we carry all those things together. Mary and Elizabeth are carrying these beautiful promises, but when they received the promise, we know that they were afraid and they doubted, right? So it's scary sometimes when you get a promise from God. And so we bring that together. You know, I've noticed uh, lately uh, as our church has continued to grow and the rooms have been full, I've noticed more than I have before the sound of babies in the room, in this room, the sound of babies crying, the sound of babies calling, calling out. And I remember what that felt like when, when my girls were, were babies and you're in here and if you're a parent and your baby starts to make a noise in church, like the reason, like you've just barely got here, Right? <laughs> You just barely got in the room for crying out loud. And, 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 you know, a lot of times people are bringing their babies here before they go to the nursery or they can't go to the nursery, whatever. That's fine. Babies are always welcome here. And they'll make this noise, right? And there's this thing that you can do at home that quiets them down that if you do in here, it just makes them go bananas, right? They just go like, ah, it gets louder. And so you're trying to navigate the moment and get them out of the room. But for some reason, your bum husband sat on the seventh row, not on the back. And you're like, how am I gonna get out of here? And, you're, and, and the baby's making this noise. And here's what we want you to hear. Here's what your church family wants you to hear. If, you, if, you're, if you're in that position, we want you to hear, we're with you. We're glad you made it. We know it was super hard. You're totally welcome in this place. It's totally fine. Yeah. We love you, right? Because sometimes we can think that the point of being here is the sermon, but the point of being here, I can really think that. That's not the point. The point is that we would carry it together. And so we're with you. We're not offering to change any diapers or nothing like that, okay? So it's not like that kind of with you. It's more like a spiritual with you, right? <laughs> no, well, anyways, we, but we're, I have regrets as a parent, right? My girls are growing into young adults. I didn't get everything right, but I will never regret bringing them to church as babies, 
even though I didn't hear, you know, it's hard to hear what, what's going on in the room and there's lots of stuff going on, but it's worth it because of this principle of what happens when you come together. We're really blessed as a congregation to have many parents uh, and families, children with special needs. We're really blessed. And there is always, with that happens, a special consideration and sometimes special noises that take place in the, in the worship center. And what I would wanna say to you parents is, I can't even imagine what the grind is like Monday through Friday. I can't imagine how hard it is to wake up on Sunday and think, man, it would be so easy, easier to stay home. But something brings you here. And we want you to hear, anytime you're feeling uncomfortable, we want you here. We would rather have the noise than not have you here. Because the point is not just hearing everything that the preacher says. The point is that we bear the burdens together. And Mary, I mean, Mary gives us this beautiful example as a like 14-year-old. And she says, I'm going to Elizabeth's house. They're like, it's 100 miles away, sweetheart. She's like, I gotta go. And she did the hard work and she got there. And what happened when they came together is a Holy Ghost party. <laughs> when the effort was made, when they got in that place, Elizabeth, this old lady, is like, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. My baby's jumping up and down. The babies are doing gymnastics inside of them. The promises can't stay still just with two coming together. Imagine this room right now with your promises that are indistinguishable from burdens. What happens when we come in the room is something that cannot happen alone. And so I would call this uh, point number two is blessings are compounding. That blessings have the ability when they come together to exponentially grow. So when you bring your blessing in the room and I bring my blessing in the room, I bring my promise in the room, I, you bring your burden in the room, as those things come together, they have the ability to compound. Compounding interest is this ability for something that you have invested to engage in a almost continual reinvestment by putting something little in, just something that might seem insignificant. When you put that in early, it grows just a little bit. But when you add something to it, a little and then a little and then a little, what happens in the financial realm is you have the ability over time for something much bigger and much better to happen. Imagine if our investment practices were to take all of these little things and hide them away in a bunch of different places. There would be no growth. But what we see in the church through the spirit of God is that when small things come together, there is an exponential power that the Holy Spirit does that we cannot do on our own. It works in really cool ways like the turkey drop when you might sponsor two families or three families and 1,400 families can be fed and $90,000 can come in in two weeks. It can happen in something like the uh, Christmas offering where you pray what you could give sacrificially and when you would lay that out, it would seem insignificant to any of those organizations but when it comes together, we'll have a miracle in January that we, we will give but it's more than that, guys. It's not just outreach initiatives it's the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. I often wonder, why do you guys come back, right? Why do you come back week after week? But it's a spiritual thing. We're drawn here because we know there's a power that can happen in the gathering of, uh, of the blessings, that blessings are compounding. And all this is pointing to the best part of the Christmas story. What grows in us is what the angels call 
great joy. That actually the joy that we're hoping for, the joy that you would think would be biggest maybe when out of nowhere an angel shows up to you. Actually, in that moment, uh, it seems like the primary emotion that followers of God feel is fear, okay? And you would think that it happens at the payoff, that that's the moment, but actually what God is teaching us is that, hold on, I wrote it down. What happens when you wait for the promise is the promise. The great joy that God is holding out for us is available to the follower of God in the moment of holding on at the same, <laughs> at the same level as it would be here or there. And perhaps it might even be the greatest joy that happens when you believe when you can't see it yet. Something we've talked about at Providence for some times is this, this uh, that we would believe something until we see it. The world will tell you this, you should believe it when you see it, right? When should you believe? Here's when you should believe it, when you see it. People of faith say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go one step before that, I'll believe it until I see it. And this crazy thing happens when faithful people keep holding on to something that has not yet happened, this joy grows within them. So here's how this works. We've been given the promise of eternal life, right? That's a big one. And we believe it. We believe that promise. But we're waiting for this moment when we'll see it and we'll see face to face. But the cool thing is, is when we're here as Jesus followers, when we're holding on and believing in the holding on, the eternal life actually starts in this moment, not that moment. Salvation is something promised to us. Man, to be uh, forgiven, to be redeemed, to finally have it all work out. We wanna see that happen. Well, when you believe that and you hold onto that before you see it, salvation, we are told that the day of salvation is today. The hour of salvation is now. <laughs> Maybe you're praying for healing. This is, you know, you're like, I wanna be healed and I wanna see that happen. But there's actually something that can happen in you when you are believing in a healing before you see it. You get to experience healing in your heart in that moment. Uh, the best one is kind of like what we're doing right now. You know, it's like, come Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Come and make things right. Show up for us. Come, Jesus, we're waiting for you. I'm tired of going to Kirkland's. I'm tired of, you know, the week after week of lighting these things. Would you come? And we know that one day that he's gonna come in the clouds, that the trump is gonna resound. I believe it. Jesus is coming back. We're gonna see him. We're gonna see him face to face. But right now, in the holding on, what God is saying to us is that actually it's right now, Jesus is here How's he gonna show that to us? By putting the promise inside of us. He puts the promise inside of Mary. She carries it, she feels it, she shares it. And that's what we are invited to do in this moment, is to believe and hold on. So that's my word for you today. It's just like, hey, if, if you're in that place, hang on, hold on, all right? We got a bunch more candles to light. We're not there yet. I'll see you next week. Let us pray. God, thank you for walking us through the story. And we pray today that we could experience, like Elizabeth and Mary, the full filling of the Holy Spirit that comes when we believe that what you said is gonna happen is gonna happen. And we believe in the fulfillment of what only you can do.
I pray for those who've come here today with a burden, maybe come here today with a disease, come here today with a pain, come here with a grief. We carry it together. We carry it together. For those who've come here with a promise, with a blessing, the blessing will be more, the blessing will compound in your presence, God. As we come to the table to receive Jesus, let it be for us a moment of encountering uh, the one who came to Mary and the one who's come to us. As we remember his broken body on the cross, his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, let us receive him deep, deep, deep in us so that it changes us. In his name we pray, amen.